You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Good to be under the tent tonight, and I've had a wonderful time being here, and I have a good time everywhere I go if they'll let me. Of course, I've been to some churches that did. The Lord don't even have a good time there. I was in one one time. It was so cold. If you'd have got a milk cow and brought her down to the front, by the time she got to the front, she'd be giving off ice cream and popsicles. Say amen. But it's a blessing tonight. I, I love you people, and I love your pastor. And I just thank the Lord of, man, what a work he is doing in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I would love to come here just so I could get my birthday name. That is awesome. I got to find out how you do that. I can't remember Julie's birthday, amen? No, no, no. I promise you I remember that one. When they've got the catalog circled on your desk and a little sticky note to it, you know that's what they want and that's what they better get. Because women do not forgive. They get even, Amen. Man, I just enjoyed myself so much, and I trust you'll pray for us along the journey. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 in your Bible tonight, and it's so good uh, to be under the tent. And I call it the house of the Lord, because anywhere God's people, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that little word midst means in North Carolina language, right smack dab in the middle, amen. And aren't you glad that God is in our midst? I love you, Brother Jeremy, and I thank the Lord for you, and I love your family, and, and God's got great things in store for you, my brother. And I appreciate the spirit, the anointing that's upon his life. And I just think it's a wonderful thing when God's church calls God's man, and God puts his approval upon it. And I say this everywhere I go. There's a lot of things a city can do without, but it can't do without a Bible-preaching, soul-winning church that makes an impact in their city and through missions around the world. And I'm just glad to be a little part of what God is doing. Uh, before I read my text, I'd like to invite you to come this year to our 74th annual camp meeting in Greer, South Carolina. We're located right off of Interstate 85 along with 9 million other people. And if you survive getting through Charlotte, come on down and be with us. But we're right off the interstate between Spartanburg and Greenville, and this will be our 74th year and we got some good preachers lined up this year. Dr. James Knox from Florida. Dr. David Gibbs, a little fellow just starting out in the ministry. And uh, we got Brother C.T. Townsend with us this year. And we've got uh, Joyce Myers one night. It's going to be a blessing. And the next year we're going to get that girl right there to come preach for us. Amen. And uh, but we'll have a great time. We've got the inspirations going to sing. And uh, one night we've got uh, the Brady Rochester family. I'm sure you've heard of them. And uh, then we're just going to have a great time. On the 5th, now not with the 5th, 
But on the 5th, which is Monday, we're going to start at 5 o'clock, and we'll have a service, and then at 6.30 we'll break, and we'll have an old-fashioned, sure enough, barbecue, slaw, lemonade. We cook 600 pounds of shoulders. My wife and those ladies make about 10 gallons of slaw. Honey, they stir it with a boat paddle. And then before Brother Billy Kelly passed away, he wanted to make some lemonade in wooden barrels. So he went to Danbridge, Tennessee, to the Jack Daniels Distillery, and we bought some of them barrels. But if they come all over to get our lemonade, in fact, we have more shouting after the lemonade than we do before. And we went and got three more barrels, so come on, be with us. And uh, man, we'll just get under the spout where the glory runs out. And uh, man, just come on and be with us. And I trust you, pray for us. If you're ever in Atlanta, we're on the south side of town. We'd love to have you. And the Lord is good. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, Jesus loves you. And turn back around and say, boy, I wish I did. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others, which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even to them also which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Watch my text. With the voice, say that with me, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I love the next verse. Wherefore, Wherefore, Oliver Green said when you read the word wherefore, go to the verses before that and see what it's there for. Wherefore, because Jesus is coming. Wherefore, because there's going to be a resurrection. Wherefore, there'll be a glad reunion in the clouds. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I don't know of anything tonight that ought to comfort the heart of the believer, even in the midst of a pandemic. The fact that Jesus is coming, and this is not the end, but for a child of God, the best is yet to come. I remember several, several years ago, Brother Billy Kelly and I were preaching in Burnsville, North Carolina, one night after church, this sweet little mountain lady said, Brother Billy, would you and Brother Joe like to come to my home tomorrow evening for supper? 
And Billy looked at me and said, boy, this is going to be good. Man, we got over there that night, and she had southern fried chicken. I mean, the kind that when you grabbed it, honey, grease run down the crevice of your fingers. And I'll believe this with all my heart, it ought to be a crime to do anything to a chicken other than fry it. Can I get a witness under the tent? Man, we had that good fried chicken. Brother Jeremy, she brought out them real cream potatoes, the kind with the lumps in them, the kind if you eat a lot of them, it'll put a lump on you. Man, had that good old-fashioned cream corn. And brother had real biscuits. I don't mean brown and serve rolls. I don't mean them ones that's been in that can since Moby Dick was a minner. I mean the real bona fide biscuits. And brother, I mean that real brown gravy. Does anybody feel a hunger spell coming on you? Brother, we sat there and we did like Jesus, come and dine. Man, we had a time. About that time, she, Brother Billy said, ma'am, I believe me and Brother Joe was about eight, all we could. She said, oh, Brother Billy, oh, dessert. I've got dessert. I've got dessert. And Brother Billy said, oh, no, ma'am, ain't no way. I'm full up to here. She said, Preacher Kelly, it's banana pudding with real meringue. He said, bring it on, sister. That's what I've been saving that right there for. That sweet little lady looked over at us, and she said something I've never heard in my life, and I grew up in the country. Lord, I grew up over at Frog Level. I grew up in sub country. But that lady said something I never heard before. She looked at Brother Kelly and myself and she said, boys, keep your fork. Keep your fork. Keep your fork. And as she walked away, I said to Brother Billy, I've never heard that phrase before. What does that mean, keep your fork? He said, that means don't move. The best is yet to come. The dessert is on the way. And I just want to tell the saints of God at Victory Baptist Church tonight, I know we've gone through the fire, we've gone through the flood, we've gone through some things in the last 14 months that no other generation has ever gone through. But I want to encourage you tonight, church, keep your fork, keep your fork. The best is yet to come, for Jesus is coming again. I've been preaching on the little word voice, how in this day the church needs to lift up our one voice. And on Monday night, we preached on John the Baptist as he lifts up that voice of redemption and points many women and boys and girls to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Last evening, we looked at David, how he lifted up his voice of rallying the troops and says, is there not a cause? But tonight, I want to preach on the voice that I'm longing to hear. The voice that every child of God is longing to hear. And it's not the voice of Daniel. It's not the voice of David. It's not the voice of John the Baptist. It's not the voice of the preacher. 
And it's not the voice of Brother Joe, but it is the voice of Jesus Christ when he steps out on the clouds of glory to summons home the body, the building, and the bride of Christ. As I said last evening, you are looking at a Baptist preacher that still believes in the literal, physical, visible return of Jesus Christ. In fact, no matter, I believe tonight the next thing on God's prophetic time clock is the coming of Jesus Christ. I know what some people say. They say, Brother Joe, I've heard all my life, I've heard for 40 years that Jesus is coming and he hasn't come yet. You know what that means to me? That means to me that we're 40 years nearer his coming than the first time we ever heard it. I like what Paul said in his Hebrew letter. He said, he that will come, will come and will not tarry. I see these billboards across the country that religious people put up and I think that is wonderful. If I had a million dollars, I'd love to put up billboards up and down 85 and 95 all over this country, something like this, appearing in a neighborhood near you real soon, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm glad Jesus is coming again. It was April the 19th, 1776. There was a little village outside of Concord, Massachusetts. On the other side of that village was a little creek that ran through that part of the country. And spanning both sides of that creek was a little bridge. Early one crisp spring morning, two armies gathered on that bridge. On one side was the redcoats sent over here from the king of England to stomp out the rebellion that was taking place. On the other side of that bridge were some preachers and some merchants and some farmers, just some good old boys that was wanting freedom. They were called the colonists. And there they met that day. And I don't know which one did it. They've been arguing about it since they wrote about it. But one side or the other fired the first shot. Whether the British did, whether the colonists did, I do not know. But if you know your history, when that little shot rang off for Concord Bridge, it went down in your American history book as the shot that was heard around the world. They said that musket fired off of that bridge in Concord. It went across the Atlantic Ocean and reverberated in the halls of Buckingham Palace. It was the shot that was heard around the world. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know about this. In our text tonight, the Bible says that when Jesus comes, there's not going to be a shot, but there's going to be a shout. And I promise you, it will be heard around the world. That voice that I'm longing to hear when Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, splits the eastern sky and summons his people home. The songwriter got it right when he pinned down these words. What a day 
That will be when Jesus I shall see. And I want you to see tonight in this text three things that's going to take place when this voice echoes from the glory world. Number one, look at your Bible. In verse number 16, there is the return of the Savior. The return of the Savior. The Bible said in verse number 16, for the Lord himself. The Lord himself. Say that with me tonight. The Lord. You say, what's so important about that? Well, that tells me who it is that is coming. An angel is not coming. A prophet is not coming. A high priest is not coming. But the Lord himself. You see, when God wanted to start a holy nation out of the heathen nations, he sent a man by the name of Abraham. When God wanted an ark built to save the world from the Andalusian flood, he sent a man by the name of Noah. When God wanted somebody to stand before the king and his ungodly wife, he sent a man by the name of Elijah. When God needed a prophet in the halls of Babylon while his people were taken captive, he sent a man by the name of Daniel. When God needed a man to prepare the way for the first advent of his son, he sent a man by the name of John the Baptist. When he needed an apostle to the Jew, he sent Simon Peter. When he needed an apostle to the Jew, Gentile, he sent Brother Paul when he needed a revelator to write down his plan of the ages. He sent John the Beloved. But ladies and gentlemen, I've come to tell you tonight, when God gets ready for his church, when God gets ready for his bride, when God gets ready for his family, he's not going to send Abraham. He's not going to send Noah. He is not going to send Elijah. He is not going to send Daniel. He is not going to send John the Baptist. He is not going to send Simon Peter. He's not going to send the Apostle Paul. He's not going to send John the Beloved. He's not going to send an angel, a cherubim, or a seraphim, but the Lord himself, the very same Jesus, the Lord himself, not a fake Jesus, not a phony Jesus, not a fairy tale Jesus, not somebody that's masquerading and acting like Jesus, but the Lord himself. Man, I love the words of Acts chapter number one and verse number 11. When Jesus was ascending on high, the Bible said there stood by him two men in white apparel. And those two men looked down and said to his disciples, ye men of Galilee, why stand and you gazing into heaven. Don't you know that this same Jesus, boy, I like that. This same Jesus that's taken from you shall come in like manner. Notice that phrase, this same Jesus, not a different Jesus, not a fake Jesus, but this same Jesus. You say, reach one is that, the same one that was coexisting with the Father, before the foundation of the world, the same one that was conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin, the same one that was born in a manger, 
manger early one Christmas morning, the same one that was a carpenter's boy and astounded the doctors and the lawyers in the temple at the age of 12, the one that was baptized in the Jordan River. And the voice said, this is my beloved son, the one that walked the shores of the Galilee, the one that opened the eyes of the blind and unstopped the ears of the deaf and loosed the tongues of the dumb and he cast out the devil and he fed the hungry and he watered the thirsty. He befriended the lonely and he saved the lost. The same one that prayed in Gethsemane till his sweat became as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. The one they found guilty in Pilate's hall of nothing but mercy and love in the first degree. The one that laid a cross on his back and marched to Calvary's brow. The one that died between two thieves and opened up a fountain for sin. The one they put in a grave. The same Jesus early on Easter Sunday morning. The stone was rolled away and he walked out on the other side and said I'm he that liveth and I was dead and I'm alive forevermore. The same one that defeated the devil and death and hell and the grave. The same one that ascended on high. The same one that sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The same one that sent the Holy Spirit. The same one that inspired the Bible. The same one that saved your soul. The same one that's rescued your life. Lord, I feel like preaching tonight. The same one that's answered your prayer. The same one that supplied your need. The same one that's been the dearest friend you ever had. That Jesus. The same Jesus. There's no other Jesus. I'm glad I know who's coming. The Lord himself. Jesus Christ. The Son of God. He's coming again. Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Notice the words expression in the text tonight. With a shout. With a shout. That word shout means with a voice of command. The word picture is a general yelling from his horse. Charge. Charge. The voice of command. Have you ever thought about this? The three times Jesus shouted. The Bible said he shouted at the grave of Lazarus. And one man came out. I love to used to I love to used to hear my dad explain why he called Lazarus by name. Dad said if he didn't call Lazarus by name, if he'd have just said come forth, every dead person in the world would have walked out. And one day he's going to do that. But he shouted at the grave of Lazarus. And one man walked out. He shouted when he died at the Calvary's cross. And many of the Old Testament saints got up and walked around. Oh, but ladies and gentlemen, when he shouts this time, not one, not a few, not a many, but every person that's trusted the blood of his son, they're coming up out of that grave. He's coming with a shout. 
with the voice of the archangel, the voice of power, the voice of deity, the voice of authority. Oh, he's coming like the voice of the archangel. And I like this one. And the trump of God. And the trump of God. I want to tell you tonight, I've gotten my eyes off of the government. I've gotten my eyes off of the signs. I've gotten my eyes off of man-made religion. And I'm looking up and I'm listening. I'm listening for that shout, for the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. I believe one of these days piercing the darkness and piercing the sin and piercing the iniquity will be the blast of the trumpet. And I'm glad when that trumpet sounds there'll be a great getting up morning. Aren't you glad, ladies and gentlemen, the trumpet is gonna sound and time shall be no more. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When you travel a lot, you have to do things to keep from getting bored. One thing I like to do is read bumper stickers. If you want to know how ignorant some people are, they plaster it all over the bumper of their car. The dumbest one I've ever heard was my son beat up your honor student. Only a redneck puts that on their car. Only a messed up redneck puts that on their car. I, I, I love to read bumpers. Then number two, I love to go to church and watch people lead singing. I love congregational music. That's probably my favorite. And I love to watch people lead singing. I mean, people have different styles of song leading. Some use one hand. Some use two hands. I was in uh, Dayton, Ohio not long ago, and, and the song leader didn't use any hands. He just jumped up and down the whole time he sang. By the time we got to the third verse of victory in Jesus, I was wore out. I was in a church not long ago and the brother was leading singing with the tips of his fingers. Boy, it was like he was painting pictures upon the wall. And I mean, brother, he was getting up. In fact, one time, I, I, honestly, one time, I thought he was directing airline traffic. I didn't know what he was doing. But he was leading that great hymn when the rule is called up yonder. I'll be there. And, and I, I'm sure you guys can teach me about the upbeat and the downbeat and the side beat and the no beat. And I know you're supposed to point in certain directions at certain crescendos and aphelios and julios and all the pizza places, I'm sure. But man, this guy was leading. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And he had his finger. He was going, and when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be. And he'd done the strangest thing. He said, I'll be there. There. 
I jumped up and said, brother, I don't know much about singing and I, it might be the downbeat, but I'm here to tell you this old boy, when the roll is called up yonder, I ain't gonna be there when the roll is called up yonder. Come on, I'll be there. Aren't you glad some golden day break? The trump of God's gonna sound. The voice of the archangel and the voice and the shout of command. I'm glad Jesus is coming. The return of our Savior. I'm glad Jesus is coming again. I love that trumpet in the Bible. I preached the other day a message on the ministry of the trumpets. They blew the trumpets three ways in the Old Testament. Number one, to call the people to worship. Oh, when it was time to go to worship God, they'd blow the trumpet. Ladies and gentlemen, you talk about a worship service. Read Revelation 4 and 5, where they cast their crowns at his feet and they worship him who sits upon the throne and they sang a chorus of thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power both now and forever. Amen. Worship number two. They would blow the trumpet to call the people to warfare. Man, they would gather for the warfare when the trumpet would sound. And ladies and gentlemen, one day God's gonna declare war on this world. He's coming back in vengeance to rain judgment on those who know not God and believe not the gospel. And the worst warfare this world's ever seen is when the church is removed and the tribulation comes. That's the judgment of God. Oh, but they would blow the trumpet for worship. They would blow the trumpet for warfare. But number three, they would blow the trumpet for the wedding. When it was time for the wedding, they would blow the trumpet. Have you ever noticed the Bible talks about the second trump or the last trump and what it is in those old days? And man, I like the way they did it. I wish we could do it like that today. The bride's dad gets to pick who she marries. Well, that didn't go over too good. Number two, he had, the boy had to pay off the father. In our day, the fathers paid it all off. Hello. My little girl called me the other day. She said, Daddy, the car won't start. I said, talk to Meathead. Bless God, you married him. Daddy, I need $10. Ask that meathead you married. He's yours and she, she, you're his and he's got to keep you up. Boy, I like that. The daddy got to pick them and then whoever he picked had to pay him the dowry, had to pay him off. Man, I was in one of them high-powered meetings one time and this preacher got up and said, I don't perform any weddings in our church unless that young man has got $20,000 in cash up front. I just want to say this. If I'd have had to have $20,000 in cash up front, I'd be on that bachelor program on television and so would some of you. Can I get a witness under this tent? Some of us couldn't rub two nickels together, much less $20,000. But I love it. The day they got to pick them in, then the boy had to pay them off. You know, I feel, I feel an anointing on that point. 
And I feel like I'm not the only dude here that, that likes that. Amen. And by the way, there'll be nobody good enough for them little girls. Oh, let me get on the subject before I get bitter. Number three, you know what they would do? After he paid the father the dowry, he, the groom, would go back to his father's house and build a chamber, a place for him and his little bride to set up housekeeping. And when that chamber was complete, a trumpet would sound and he would leave the father's house and go to the bride's house. When he got to the bride's house, he'd get her and they would sound another trumpet and him and her would make their way from her father's house. Well, glory. I'm wanting to run right there back to his father's house where the ceremony would take place and where they'd live happily ever after. Praise God, one day Jesus left out of here and he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And when that place is complete, he'll leave his father's house and he'll come down here to get his chosen bride. And bless God, we'll leave this world and we're headed to the father's house. The Bible said we shall be raptured, we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's two-fifths of a second. Someone said, I'm afraid the devil's gonna get in the middle. By the time he blinks an eye, we're out of here, my brother. Aren't you glad the return of the Savior, Jesus, is coming? And what's so good about it? He could come tonight. The return of our Savior. Look, if you will, in verse number 16, I see something else that takes place. This voice that I'm longing to hear. I see the resurrection of the sleeping. Look what it says in the text. It said when this shout takes place, it says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. No, that don't mean the Methodists are left behind and the Baptists go first. It don't mean that at all. It means those that were saved, but they had to go by the way of the grave. And notice, Pastor, the analogy he uses, sleep, sleep. Those that have passed away that are born again, they are asleep. Why did he use the analogy of sleep? Because sleep is temporary. Sleep is temporary. Oh, when I lay down beside of Miss Arthur a couple of nights a year, I don't lean over there and say, honey, it's been good. I guess I'll never see you again. No, I roll over there. Get me a big old kiss off the jaw. And I'll say, honey, Lord willing, I'll see you in the morning. Because when you go to sleep, you go to sleep with the expectation 
that when the sun comes up in the morning, Praise God, you're going to roll out of that bed. Son, I'm glad in 2008 when I went out there to that cemetery in Danville, Virginia and buried my father, my hero, my best friend, the greatest Christian man I ever met in my life. I'm glad he's just a-sleeping. I'm glad he's just a-sleeping. Boy, I thought since I've been coming to preach for you, since you've been the pastor, some of my precious friends, friends that would be under this tent tonight have gone to be with Jesus. I thought about old Mickey smiling at me while I'm a preaching. He's gone. Miss Evans, Shug. The only person I know calls you Shug. She's gone. And since last year, Miss Dickens, your precious wife and son, your mother and whole Bobby Turner, I miss that. Amen! Son, I believe when old Bobby went to heaven and went, I believe somebody said, look out, the tornado from Roanoke Rapids is here. And others, other saints of God. Our church last year, we buried 22 of our precious people. We, 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 we buried men and loved me and prayed for me for 25 and 30 years. We buried our sweet little our church secretary. And on day something, buddy, Billy Kelly told me this one time. When I was a young man, Brother Jeremy, and I didn't understand it then, but I believe I do now. He said to me, boy, he said, if you live long enough, there'll come a day in your life when you'll have as many over yonder as you'll have over here. And you look at me tonight, death and the grave is not the end for a child of God. Job said in the midst of his malady, if a man die, shall he live again? And one day on the shores of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus Christ answered Job's question and said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The next time you go to the cemetery, to pay respect to your loved ones. You know what you're really standing on? You're standing on resurrection ground. Lord, how would you like to be standing there when that trumpet sounds and that voice and them graves burst open and they're coming out of that grave? You say, preacher, do you really believe that? I sure do believe that because Jesus said, because I live, ye too shall live also. The Bible said he was the first fruits of them that slept and he guaranteed our resurrection based on his resurrection and just as sure, hallelujah, amen, as Jesus walked out of that grave, the dead in Christ get up out of that grave and as my daddy used to sing, ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. I'm glad we'll see our loved ones again. The dead in Christ shall rise first the resurrection of the sleeping. The day after Thanksgiving in 2008, my sister called and said we had to put Dad back in the intensive care. And I got to Burlington, Alamance County Memorial Hospital as soon as I could. And I walked back to room number four. There laid my champion. There laid my hero in that bed. His eyes had already rolled back a deep coma. He's, I, I tell you where he was at. Hallelujah. He had his foot in the water, stirring the water, trying to find a place to cross. And I looked, and there was one of my sisters, and she was singing Daddy's favorite song. 
What a day that'll be. I was on the other side of the bed. I was quoting Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And there at the foot of the bed stood my little mother. I never felt so sorry for nobody in my life. Oh, she was just a crying, and she'd wail out, Oh, J.B., honey, don't leave me, honey. We've been married for 60-plus years. I don't know how I'm going to live without you. And then about that time, the grace of God would kick in, and my mama would go to shouting. She was setting off bells and whistles and orderlies and nurses and people with straitjackets were coming in. The, and she'd go to shouting, and she'd say, Hallelujah, thank Thank you, Jesus. And I heard her say this right before my daddy died. She said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, Lord. You gave me the privilege to be married to an old-fashioned Holy Ghost Baptist preacher for all these many years. And she looked over at my daddy and kissed him and said, go ahead, honey. Take your flight, baby. Take your flight. Jesus has his arms stretched out. And and me and Joe and the girls, we'll see you in the little while. Suddenly that doctor come running in there. He said, excuse me, sir, I need to tell you something about your dad. I don't know if he's going to die now, tomorrow, or two months. I don't know. I said, sir, just step back. Watch. The general is about to make the crossing. My sister's singing. I'm quoting scripture, and my mama's a shouting. And about that time, Daddy looked up at me. He had the most beautiful blue eyes of any man I've ever seen. He looked up at me in them baby blues, and all of a sudden, that big old smile, that mischievous grin, he used to get it when the fish would be bigger, or the buck would be bigger, or like if he pulled one on you. Boy, he gave me that grin like, I done beat you again. And son, he left left out of here, that doctor looked around and he got to crying. He said, oh my, I've never seen anything like this. You people are remarkable. I said, no sir, I am not remarkable. Now I'll have to admit, he was a remarkable Christian. He was a remarkable preacher. He was a remarkable father. I said, sir, but what you're seeing is the hope and the grace of God that's in every believer. Aren't you glad we shall see our loved ones again. We'll know as we're known. I'm glad tonight there's a hope in my soul that when Jesus comes, there'll be a great resurrection. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise God, what a day that's gonna be. The return of the Savior, the resurrection of the sleeping. Oh, but I preached all night to get to verse number 17. Something else is going to take place when this voice I've longed to hear shouts of the voice of the archangel. There is the rapture of the saved. The rapture of the saved. Notice verse 17. Then we, boy, don't you like that we? We, which are alive and remain. Number one, that tells me something. There's gonna be saved people on planet Earth when Jesus comes again. Can I run one rabbit if I hurry? 
If you watch the TV and read the paper and listen to the media, they'll have you thinking nobody knows God, nobody believes in God, nobody believes in Jesus, nobody believes the Bible, everybody's a pervert and a crackpot. But don't you believe that. There's still people on this earth tonight that believe in Jesus Christ. I'm preaching to a tent full of them. Anybody here tonight still believe in Jesus and you still love Jesus? Hawk, if you love Jesus, I'm here to tell you tonight, there'll be saved people on this earth when Jesus comes again. You say, what's going to happen to them? Notice your Bible. Then we which are alive and remain shall be, I love this phrase, caught up, caught up, caught up. It's the Greek word harpazo. Anybody impressed with that? That word means to be snatched away by sudden force. It's the same word translated in John 10 where it said no man can pluck, snatch them out with force of my father's hand. Son, I'm in for good. I'm so saved it's pitiful. The world can't snatch me out. The devil can't snatch me out. My enemies can't snatch me out. I can't snatch myself out. The Lord don't want to snatch me out. I'm in his hand. Oh, but one day he's going to come and snatch us with sudden force out of this world. Brother, we shall be caught up. We shall be plucked. We shall be seized. We shall be snatched. In other words, G-O-N-E, gone, we're out of here. Not long ago, I was on a plane, and even before the pandemic, if you want to sit by yourself at the airport or a place of business, pull your Bible out, they'll think you got Corona 22. But I opened up my Bible, and this lady sitting beside of me, and I could tell, I, I, I could tell she was very, very educated. You say, how could you tell that? Because she wore her glasses right on the end of her nose where it squeaked it like that, and she looked over them like this, and she looked at me, she said, young man, and I acted like I couldn't hear her because I liked the way she started the conversation, young man. I said, yes, pardon, that's what educated, pardon, young man, I said, pardon, young man, I said, yes, ma'am, she said, is it a Bible? I said, what? She said, is it a Bible? I said, it's a Bible. She said, oh, my God. I said, he's all in there. From Genesis to Revelation, he's all in there. She said, you don't believe it, do you? I said, every word. She said, I don't believe any of it. I said, I believe it enough for me and you both. But I don't believe it. I said, well, I do. She said, I don't. I said, well, I do. Well, I thought I'd whip my education out on her. So I got out my glasses. And I said, my dom. Pardon, my dom. 
Can I ask you a question? What? I said, do you know how to fly a 747? She said, what's that got to do with it? I said, well, I was talking to that pilot up there, and he's a born-again Christian, and he lives in Peachtree City, Georgia, about 20, 25 minutes south of the airport. She said, so? I said, well, I just want to tell you, if we get 35,000 feet in the air and the rapture takes place, y'all have fun. That's one time she didn't say, say that again. Oh, I'm telling you, aren't you glad one day Jesus Christ is coming again and the dead in Christ are gonna rise first and those that are alive and remain, we're gonna leave this world of sin and sorrow. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't and I don't want to feel at home in this world anymore. They're not praising my Jesus. They're not reading this book. They're not loving my God. They're not singing my song. But praise God, children, some golden day break. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Thank God Jesus is coming and the rapture is gonna take place. Lord, this is the last night. Give me a little more time. I got a friend of mine that don't believe in the rapture. And you and I told him, I said, Bubba, when Jesus comes, you gotta go if you're saved, if you want to or not. Can you imagine going to heaven under protest? No, if you're saved, you're going and you'll be glad you did. Well, his argument is this. Well, Joe, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I said neither is the word Trinity, but we believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I said neither is homecoming, but all churches in the South have them. I said neither is Mother's Day, but you better not forget it. You may not find the word rapture, what you'll find caught up. But if you'll get you a good dictionary, and if you ever see the definition of the word rapture, you'll be a believer. You know what one of the definitions of the word rapture means? It means to be transported with delight. Let me say it over on this side. Transported with delight. Transported with delight. Transported with delight. Transported with delight. And these people that smoke on the edges, transported with delight. Oh, I want to tell you one day this blood-washed crowd is going to be transported with delight. This robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. And I'm going to shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell. Hey, we're not home yet, children. Thank God we're leaving out of here when Jesus comes. Closing illustration. Right here in Roanoke Rapids High School, we was in science. One day during science class, we were studying a derivative subject 
called the laws of magnetic field. The laws of magnetic field. And the teacher did this experiment. They put a pile of straight pins on this side and a pile of toothpicks on this side. Now you boys from down here in Weldon, this is deep, so hold on. The teacher, Brother Jeremy, took a big magnet and she held that magnet over top of them straight pins. And when she did, you know what happened? Magnetic field took place and every one of them straight pins got caught up and met that magnet. She took that same magnet and held it over them toothpicks and it was like a Baptist church on Sunday morning. They didn't even wiggle, George. They didn't even wiggle. Well, the teacher goes on to explain the laws of magnetic field in scientific terms. But that's been a hundred years ago. And I don't remember the scientific terms. So let Dr. Arthur give you the hypothesis of the laws of magnetic field in Roanoke Rapids language. Are you ready? There is something another in that there magnet that gets hooked up with something another in them there pins. And whatever's in them pins ain't in them toothpicks. Anybody got that one? Oh, when Jesus comes, something in him is gonna hook up with something in me and that something is a somebody. That somebody is the Holy Spirit and we're leaving out of here. The dead in Christ shall rise first. There's gonna be a reunion in the sky. Is WCBT in Ronald Crapit still in business? WCBT, that's how old I am. And every Sunday morning, you'd hear a guitar start to play the old rugged cross. And you did this voice. Hey, I'm Brother J.B. Arthur, Tabernacle Baptist Church, here on a rabbit, North Carolina. Hey, man, daddy. Then he'd go off. And in a few minutes, you'd hear these people singing. There is going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet. And a voice would say, hello, everyone. I'm Rudolph Evans, pastor of the Lakeview Park Baptist Church in Rock Rapids, North Carolina, the church. Woo, where everybody is somebody. Praise the Lord. Boy, I remember that going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, by and by. And can I tell you something, church? There's going to be a meeting in the air when Jesus comes again. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Let's stand together while we do this last verse together. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear. 
No more sickness nor pain. No more parting over there. And forever I who if the one who died for me. What a day. Glorious day that will be sing at church. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Oh, and he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day will be. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, I really get to go. I really get to go. Thank God that's the voice I'm longing to hear. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.